I think that art and commerce like are inextricably linked. You need to find a way to like make money to do it if you want to do it as a job. I think pretending that that is not a link that is there is naive. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm a marketer and an artist, and I'm super excited that on today's show, I'm talking to Lindsay Stripling. Lindsay is an incredibly talented watercolor artist, and she's all about keeping it real and being transparent about what it takes to build her creative practice and also make a living as a creative person. You're going to hear Lindsay talking about her path to discovering what she wanted to do, her schooling, and we get really into detail on all the aspects surrounding her creative practice, how she makes time to do her work, the way she sets up the administrative process around the business of being creative, and the jobs that she also has in order to have an overarching practice and make the money she needs to live her life while being a creative person. There's so much to learn on this episode, and Lindsay has a great sense of humor, and she's so honest, so I'm really excited for you all to hear the episode. So let's get started. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Ah, Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you. (laughs) I've been following along as you've been growing your art practice on, on Instagram where you post often and I love your work and I love how honest you are about your process and about your, your path and and work as an artist. So it's really (laughs) exciting to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your practice today, about the work that you make and kind of where it comes from for you Um, well, I do mainly illustration. So I work with like watercolor on paper and do a lot of like, I've been working more with graphite recently in my sketchbook, but I do like gallery shows and also illustration work for like magazines and publications and different people with like brands and, you know, a lot of different clients. And then, um, I also like teach watercolor and kind of participate in the art world in that way. So a couple of different facets. And how long have you been working as an artist like this? Um, I think probably six years, maybe seven years, but I feel like it's always evolving. And I'm like, I would say the last couple of years has been more uh, fruitful and more directed than like the years previous to that. But I think that's pretty normal. (laughs) Yeah. So you mean you feel like those first few years you were starting out, the practice wasn't as sharp or kind of the business of your your art wasn't all as well lined up as it is now? Yeah, like I'm sure we'll get into it, but I feel like when I first started doing art, I was like, I just didn't really know exactly what I wanted to be doing within that. Like art is such like a huge umbrella and I it took me a while to figure out that like A, I could be an artist, but B, I could be like this specific thing within that. Like I could share like my knowledge of making art and also like be like work with illustration and do things for hire and be on deadlines, which I enjoy. And then I could also create like larger, um, like artworks for myself. So it just took me a while to figure out like that there, 
doesn't have to be one facet that I do, but also that there's all these other things that exist that I would be interested in. Yeah. And these six years that you've been working as an artist during this time, you've also had day jobs Yeah, you've talked about. <laughs> and so you've, have you mostly worked in the, the restaurant, uh, kind of world? Yeah. I, um, I started, I went to school at UC Santa Cruz and I started working at like a little, uh, fish house slash like bar, um, on the wharf in Santa Cruz with a bunch of my friends, um, a bunch of whom still work there. It's called Riva. It was the best, but, um, I stayed there for a couple of years and then it just seemed like, I mean, it's a very lucrative job. Um, it used to be that you would walk away with a bunch of cash. You don't really do that anymore. Everything's like in your paycheck, but, um, I'm just, I work really well with people and I enjoy like having social interaction as a part of my daily life. And especially when I'm painting and doing art at home a lot, that's very solitary. So it's kind of like a nice way to balance both. Um, so yeah, it's something that I've fallen into, but it's also something that I feel like I'm good at and I enjoy doing. Yeah. And so much of what you share online is your art side. And I like that you're honest about, Hey, this isn't some magical journey I'm on where I just make these works and the money is just, you know, just rolling so in glorious. right yeah. from everywhere. <laughs> You're like, no, you know, I, I work really hard. And so how is your time split? Like what are the hours you're putting towards art right now? Um, so I usually work nights. I don't always, but I probably work in the restaurant. Um, I work Sunday days and then like a couple of nights a week. And then so, and then I teach usually one night every other week. So I have nights that are like my day job type thing. And then I wake up in the morning and I paint usually for three to four hours. And then I walk my dogs and force myself to take a break. And then I come back and do like more practical stuff. So like shipping orders or responding to emails or, you know, there's all sorts of um, not so glorious uh, things that you have to do to make it work. But Yeah. yeah. And yeah. is the morning time you feel like you kind of, you just sort of slide into the creative zone straight up when you when you wake up and you want to not be distracted by other things? Yeah, like sometimes if I'm really stressed, it's important for me to wake up and like respond to emails. If I feel like I've been lagging on that stuff, getting rid of like those distractions helps me a lot um, to dive into or slide into like the creative process. But oftentimes I'm really tired in the morning from working at night, so I'll like wake up, make coffee and start painting, or at least that's how it used to do it. Um, more recently, um, I've been doing like some form of like exercise in the morning, which also helps me be even more tired. And I find that like being tired helps me to just let go of like questioning myself and I can like be more meditative in the process. So that's interesting that you, you want to kind of lean into being tired as you're creating because it helps you not overthink? Yeah, I, I tend to like overthink and over control most things. So <laughs> if I'm tired, I like lose the uh, interest in having that much control. So um, it helps me to like make maybe more soft connections than I would otherwise. When I'm constantly controlling everything, things are like a lot less interesting. <laughs> and how does that control play into the kind of work that you create? Because you, you draw and you work with watercolor. Mm -hmm. Is that, are those choices because of the control you can have or because the control the medium has over, over uh, you? You got it. I think that it's, uh, I have a lot less control with watercolor and it forces me to like kind of, I make mistakes, like you just are going to make mistakes and it's going to like, 
you're going to get water on your paper where you don't want it to be. You maybe mix up a color incorrectly or it doesn't work the way you want it to be. Like if people have worked with watercolor, if you painted with watercolor, it has kind of a mind of its own and you can predict most of it, but you can't really control it. And so I think that it forces me out of my comfort zone in that way. Um, just kind of makes me like, uh, live more in the moment and like adjust and readjust to like things that are happening rather than like dictating them from the beginning. Although there is like a lot of planning that goes into like pieces. I feel like it's mainly in my head and then I'll like do a loose sketch and then work off of that. But for the most part, it's like just like working in the moment. And how much investigation do you do into materials? Is it something where you're actually researching, talking to people, reading things or do you just buy a bunch of different things and see how it how it how it works works yeah um i feel like and this is something i talk to my students about it's really exciting to like pick up a new thing and be like i'm just going to get all of all of the new watercolors you know like i'm into watercolor i'm going to spend $500 it's easy to get like a ton of nice paper new brushes and like spend hundreds of dollars getting these new materials that you haven't even really explored yet And I try to like tell people, and this is what I do with myself is just get a couple colors and like different brands behave differently, different like brush brands behave differently, different types of paper is going to affect your painting. So just get like a few things and play with it and then try a few other things and like take notes and like pay attention to like what the differences might be. I still have tubes of watercolor paint that I still use from like seven years ago when I first started using watercolor specifically. And I think that like if you're intentional with your purchases and you just pay attention to the things, you don't have to spend a ton of money up front. It can just be like a slow exploration. Yeah. And so what is it about artwork that made it for you that you have you have to do it? Um, Probably that I have an obsessive personality, but also that I think up until I like started doing art, I hadn't really found my thing. Like I didn't really grow up in a family of artists or creative people, um, in the sense of artwork. Um, there's definitely, I have like family that's business owners and people that are creative with like cooking and doing things like that, but not in the sense of it being a career. And I just, I've always been a visual learner and when I finally was like in high school with that like very classic like art teacher who was like oh you should try this like I felt way more at home in the art studios than I had in most places and I think that like eventually when I actually realized that you could do that full time and that's something that like art is literally all around us in so many different ways that's when I became obsessed and I became obsessed with this notion of me being able to create this thing for myself, you know? Yeah. And so you went to college at UC Santa Cruz Mm -hmm. and you studied photography. Yeah. So tell me about the decision-making process towards the end of high school and into college as you were kind of diving into this world and this realization that, you know, how much you loved art and making, how did you go about deciding where to go and what to study? Uh, I wish that it was, um, more directed. I feel like most, most people have like very like conscious decision-making process when it comes to that. Though I think that it's, at least I remember from my own experiences, it's a bit of unrealistic expectations we put on ourselves at that age and young people 
to basically in high school try to choose what you want to do with your life so that you can study that and then go into that. Yeah. I think the freeing thing is that once you become an adult, you realize that most people don't do for their career what they studied in college. (laughs) But when you're that age, you don't realize that it's like, you know, just find something you're interested in. And and explore it. Exactly. But yeah, tell me about your experiences. Um, well, I had um, decided decided to go to UC Santa Cruz because it was one of the few schools that I visited where I actually felt like a connection to it. I was so like blown away that you could be like in the middle of the forest and like walking to classes, and it was just magical on a lot of levels. It was also one of the only schools that I got into that I could actually swim on the swim team and play water polo for, and that was like really important to me. Um, at UC Santa Cruz, you had to declare as an art major in order to take the art classes. So you could take the intro classes as a non-art major, but you couldn't take any of the studio classes. So I really wanted to take the classes. So I just declared as a major. And then before I knew it, I was like a junior in college and I hadn't really done anything besides photography. So I, um, I did the painting classes. They were very traditional and a lot of oil painting and it just was not it wasn't working for me. Like I wasn't really getting along with my professors and, um, in hindsight, I wish I had, they were like really cool and I could have benefited if I wasn't so stubborn, but I went into photography and studied black and white, uh, silver gelatin photography and got obsessed with being in the dark room. The dark room was like under a grove of redwood trees. Um, the people who ran it were so cool. And I started like working a shift a week and I just really enjoyed it. But I think that like with a lot of things in my life, I wasn't like no one was like explaining to me the like longevity of photography or like what would be the end, like what would be the end result of studying this like medium. Yeah. Um, I was in school, I was graduating college in 2007 and that was just around the time that um, Photoshop was coming out Um, and digital photography was like really like taking over. Um, I had a digital photography like Photoshop class my senior year, like maybe my last semester of school and my teacher who had been my darkroom teacher was teaching himself how to use Photoshop as he was teaching us how to use it, (laughs) which is such an interesting experience. And um, I studied... I finished uh, college and I started interning at Franz Lantin's like um, photography uh, studio in Santa Cruz. He was a he is a National Geographic photographer, um, but I just still wasn't seeing myself in it at all. And I was bartending at this time, and I just like it just wasn't like you had to pay memberships to be like in a lab somewhere to be able to use laboratories to do developing. And I wasn't interested in shipping my film off to someone else and having them develop it for me. Right. Um, I just loved, like, I think what I really loved was the hands-on like process of it. Right. So maybe you saw a track where you could have moved towards the digital side and maybe built a career, but what you loved about photography was the, was the hands. Absolutely. And I, and I think that like, I also was like, like I love hiking in nature. I love being outside, but like, am I, like, am I trying to get out like in Africa and like be in a blind for like three weeks while I like study some cougars? Like, I don't feel like that's what I want. And (laughs) you know, and I, but that's the only way you can find out is by studying under some, you know, I was just working in the gallery and watching all these amazing photographers, like doing all this stuff. I was pretty blown away, but, um, and how long, yeah. How long did you do that before you realized you wanted to go back to school and study painting? 
So I, um, it was actually the recession, um, after I'd been there for a year and they ended up letting me and my friend Rena go, um, just cause they had to. And we worked in some coffee shops. I bartended for a few years and I kind of just lost sight of the art, um, or the fact that I enjoyed doing it or that it was something that I could do. Um, and I don't think that I fully grasped that it was something I could do, um, or that I could see myself in. So I was bartending and I did this, um, really embarrassing little show, um, in like 2009 of like oil paintings and they were really, um, like illustrative and like kind of dark. And I didn't really know what I was doing materials wise. Um, but I had a friend who owned a bar and he like, he and his girlfriend like had me do a show and it was really fun and everyone was so supportive. Nice. And I, I think I just, that moment I realized I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I wanted to do this thing and it felt like more meaningful to me than anything else I was doing. So I applied to SFAI and San Francisco art Institute. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, just, I had always wanted to live in the city. I grew up in the East Bay. So, um, it felt like this place that I had always wanted to go to and like live in. Um, so I just decided to do it and, um, I went there for two years and I didn't get like a master's or anything. I just went back to like study painting Mm -hmm. specifically. And I think having the freedom to choose what I was studying and not feeling like I was moving towards a degree, like worked for me. Yeah. I do sometimes wish that I (laughs) had not taken on student loans and gone to like junior college, but, um, I was taking junior college classes in Santa Cruz and I felt like I still wanted more. So, and so what was your like first steps into the art world after, you know, working on, on painting there? And did you start to get really into watercolors in school? Um, I was kind of, I, well, first I, when I was at school, I was doing mainly work on paper with colored pencil. Um, and, and like, ink and like acrylic wash, um, but not really watercolors. Um, I just, I think that part of what I realized what it wasn't working for me at UC Santa Cruz was the oil painting. And I wasn't that interested in acrylics necessarily. Um, although I've done both since then and I do enjoy them and appreciate them in a different way. I think I just, I like the immediacy of working on paper. It feels more like drawing. It feels less precious. It's like just, um, something that can be thrown away in a different way, like which I appreciate and like. Um, so I, afterwards I interned at root division and, um, which is like a nonprofit at the time it was in the mission on, um, 17th and Shotwell. And, um, I was, uh, helping Amy and Michelle with like shows and volunteering and, um, just kind of like doing a lot of like menial office stuff for them. Yeah, that's Um, great. We love Root Division here. We've uh, talked to a lot of uh, alumni artists from there and and Michelle as well. Yeah, it's a great, great, great organization. They're so amazing. Yeah. It's just like such a committed um, space to artists in this community that sometimes it feels like there isn't a space for them, like after school, you know, like in this like real world, like, yeah. um, So they had an opening and we're taking applications for studio resident or resident studio artists. And I, um, applied and got in. And, um, at the time I think there was like 10 artists, maybe 11 artists. It was like pretty small. Um, and I felt so like, I don't know, it was such a good feeling to like be a part of this place with like artists that I really admired and people who had gotten their masters and like done all these major degrees and, um, I was teaching there and learned just a lot. They give you like so many skills about how to function in the real world um, 
in like a creative degree, like painting, you know, and like a degree where there's not really a job for you to enter into. Um, you get to see, like literally see people like not just being artists, but being artists and doing these other things and figuring out how to make it work for themselves. Right. How to build kind of a, a business and lifestyle around the art practice. Yeah. It's, it was just, I mean, I'm a visual learner obviously. And I feel like being able to actually see how it works and how people make it work made like a really big difference for me. Um, so I did that for another year and then I started working from my home and I moved around from a few different restaurant jobs and eventually landed out in the outer sunset where I am now. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our partner Bond. It's a new creative conference here in San Francisco coming up on March 9th and March 10th and it's all about how you can make a living out of your creative practice, out of your projects, out of your business online. And it's brought to you by the company Backer Kit, which helps you organize and schedule and ship and do all the logistics for your Kickstarter campaigns. Bond is going to be an amazing conference. I'm so excited to be a part of it. I'll be speaking there about marketing and you're going to hear from people who have built huge online communities that have helped their creative visions thrive online and actually built businesses around what they do. You're going to hear from people from Patreon, from Kickstarter, and really amazing speakers who are going to give you the tools and the inspiration you need to build your creative businesses online. Jesse Janae is going to be there, who I interviewed for the show a few episodes ago, and so many others. So check out bond.backerkit.com. You can get all the information about the conference, learn more, and definitely join in, grab a ticket, and join us. And be sure to follow Making Ways on Twitter at making underscore ways. We're going to be tweeting out a special offer code for 10% off for listeners so that you guys can get in the door at a reduced rate as well. Thanks so much to our partner, Bond, and let's get back to the show. And so how about the business of what you do creatively? Maybe you can talk through, and maybe it's imperfect and, and that's okay, or maybe you have. <laughs> how do you actually organize and run your, your business as a, a creative? Um, well, it's been like everything, a slow evolution, but um, I right now mainly just offer like commissioned work um, through, I have like a web shop. Um, I've tried over the last like two years, I was on Etsy for a while, like most everyone. And then, um, I use Squarespace for my actual website and I started using their like shop platform or commerce platform Okay, and I liked it, wasn't exactly what I wanted. And now I'm at big cartel and I feel like it's just what I want. Like it's really simple and clean and easy and affordable. And what about the other aspects of your business? Like what else do you use to organize your finances and like organize your, your productivity, your calendars, like all these things. And even, and even maybe like the, the shipping and oh, yeah, uh, all yeah. that stuff of your work. So many things. Um, it's taken me a long time to figure out all of that stuff. The, um, so I use to do is like my to-do list that I, I usually try to go through at night before I go to bed. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm not even thinking about what I need to do. I already know. Um, and it, you could write a list or whatever. I just like having it on my phone. Um, 
and you can change the color theme around it. And it mm. just really is satisfying for me. Nice. Um, <laughs> and then I use iCal, um, which is problematic. I find their interface difficult, but at the same time, it's so nice to be able to have it on my phone again. Um, and then I also have a physical calendar that I make for myself every month. So I'll like sit down and literally draw a calendar up. Okay. Um, and then I also uh, use ShipStation for shipping. What is that? ShipStation is like a... Um, it's like a little hub for like if I had multiple shops, like if I had, I don't know if it works with Etsy, but I bet it does. Um, if I have like Etsy and um, Big Cartel or Squarespace or like any any e-commerce platform, um, they upload all of your orders. So you don't have to manually put in like the addresses and like the dimensions of everything. And then I have like presets for like the different like shipping tubes I use and mm -hmm. envelopes. And this is so boring, but it's really helpful. No, this is, this is going to be really helpful for people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, and then you can like also use like, uh, USPS and FedEx and, you know, like you have options so you can find your like cheapest, way of shipping things out, which yeah. when I do do gallery shows, it helps a lot. Cause for a long time I was like going into FedEx, trying to find a box that fits the frames and then like going home and packing it and then like hurriedly bringing it back to FedEx and dropping it off and right. like hopefully finding someone who's like helpful and not making me uncomfortable about like the costs that I'm paying, you know? Right. Um, and now what I do is I go on ShipStation. I have a bunch of boxes because now I'm like a box hoarder. And I I pack my box, I measure it, I weigh it, and then I go on ShipStation and I print out my label and I schedule a pickup for the next day. And I literally just leave it on my front porch and FedEx comes by and picks it up. And That's I don't, great. I, it feels like so much less work. Yeah, I mean, when you're, me. yeah, when you're doing it so much, it starts to rack up both in hours and in money saved. Oh, so yeah. these kinds of small... And, it, and I want to say it's $9 a month too. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Still not an ad. Um, yeah, yeah. And then um, I use... I'm trying to think. I use a timer, um, especially if I'm under like a lot of deadlines. Sometimes I get really overwhelmed by the number of things that I need to be doing. And um, I... I think with my like obsessive personality, we'll just like hone in on one task and try and do it really, really well, which I am reading like all these articles now. And I think we all are about how that's the way to do everything. But I find that if I can like tackle a little piece of maybe three projects in one day, um, first, first of all, I feel like I've completed a lot more, mm -hmm. like I've done a lot more to get a bunch of things done, but also, um, I kind of get fatigue when I'm working on a piece yeah. and I'll get stuck on something. So it's easier for me to like move to a different piece and then come back to that other one tomorrow. So you use a timer app to kind of keep you moving and you, and you stay to it. Yeah. I don't even use an app. I'll just use a timer. So I'll be okay. like, you know, 40, I'm going to spend 40 minutes on this one thing. Let's talk about your creative practice. And I'm curious, you know, you, you still teach, you're meeting people all the time. You're building this you know, really phenomenal online community. What kind of advice have you shared with people who are looking to either pursue a creative career or creative project or move more towards making more artwork or, or changing what they do? What kind of advice have you shared with them or what kind of questions you generally get asked that you think might be helpful to talk about? Well, I think that oftentimes when I talk to people who are maybe just starting out with like painting or illustration, um, I think the most important thing, and we've kind of touched on this, is 
like breaking down the barrier of like, I just paint. Um, or that that is, I live like some really like glorious lifestyle in this tiny little apartment in San Francisco that costs like a million dollars. And somehow my painting pays for that. You know, like (laughs) I just think that like, regardless of how much I try to talk about it in my Instagram stories or on Instagram, like the idea, like it's this visual place where everything looks perfect. So, um, I try really hard to like break that down with people, um, And usually people are pretty shocked that I work a full-time job or that I have two jobs outside of painting. Um, But once they realize that, then they know that like they can do it like in addition to whatever it is that they're doing. I think that like doing the side hustle thing is better Um, in the beginning. Like not, not that you shouldn't like quit your job and like dive full into like this thing. But I think that just like showing yourself that you're committed to doing it um, in addition to what you're already doing and also creating like a cushion for you to do it smoothly. I think that art and commerce like are inextricably linked. You do need to find a way to like make money to do it if you want to do it as a job. I think pretending that that is not a link that is there is naive. Um, I also think that when I was in fine art, um, and in school, like there was somehow this, like, it was like inappropriate to discuss money. Um, when it came to art, it was like, no, no, like artists just want to like make art because they love making art. They shouldn't be worried about like making money from it. Like that was some sort of dirty thing. Mm -hmm. And it's realistically, like, if you're going to do it, if you're going to actually be able to like be an artist in the real world, you better think about the money aspect. Um, because it is, especially in a city like San Francisco, it is almost impossible to do without fully thinking about it and fully thinking it through. So I think that like taking time to like let yourself do it as a side thing is really important. Um, I talk to people who either want to do it as a full-time job or they just want to do it as like a, you know, something that they do on Sundays. And I think both are valid. And I think like allowing yourself the space to do it, like carving out space in your day to do it. Um, you know, it's kind of going back to that like running thing or going back to like me maybe being a marathon runner if I wanted to. If that was something I wanted to do, you would tell me, okay, well then you need to go running, you know, <laughs> like yeah, right. just start, just start jogging, like right. just like crawl down the street for a while. Like, yeah. I, you know, like whatever it is that you have to do to get down the street or get the miles added up, like do that. And then eventually it'll become like a lot less painful. And I think that, um, people don't understand that making art and carving that time out is uncomfortable and like it feels counterintuitive. And for a lot of people like sitting down and allowing yourself the space to create is really hard. Um, and I would argue that like, that's the point of art is to be uncomfortable and like you should be uncomfortable and you should be challenging yourself and your perceptions of yourself and your perceptions of your time. Um, and then eventually it'll become something that you, become comfortable with and then you challenge yourself in a different way you know whether it's like choosing a different medium or maybe like sketching things out first or you know like just I think all of it is discomfort and that's part of what's so great about it yeah I love that and have you received advice yourself over the years that has helped you get over humps or break through on the on the business side or the the creative side um I had this teacher uh Frances McCormick and she, um, I took an art on paper class with her and it was one of the most informative classes. And it was informative because we read things like Joseph, 
I get his name wrong, Brodsky. Okay. And he did like a college commencement speech on like uh, boredom. It was this like real downer speech about just like how the rest of your life is going to be boring after college. <laughs> and like you have to wait in line and you have to pay bills and you need to get groceries and you have to think about practical things. And it's all just like one long line after <laughs> this. And it was one of the most amazing things I'd ever read. And I think about that all the time. Um, just that it doesn't have to be exciting and like kind of the exciting thing about figuring these things out is the things like QuickBooks or figuring out how to like put your, like get your finances in order or like figure out the administration portion of like the art stuff. And if that stuff is like not interesting to you or you can't get down with it, like it's probably not going to work. You need to figure out a way to like make it interesting because that's part of it. But also she said something to me um, during that class and said something to all the class about just figuring out when you work best. Like if you're thinking about moving into doing art full time or anything creative full time, like when is it that you're, you're most creative? Are you a morning person or do you like to sleep in and then frame it around that? So like for me, I'm a morning person. I've always, always, always woken up at like 6.30 or 7 in the morning. Yeah. Um, so working at night for me works because then I have that morning time for myself. Whereas when I, when I like wake up in the morning and go to a job and then try to be creative afterwards, I'm so fried by the end that I like have nothing left. Yeah. Um, and that makes it sound like I go into the restaurant and I'm fried at like 4 p.m. But I feel like it's actually just a different type of energy that is required of me. Yeah. And I could like hang out at like a restaurant party for like six hours and be fine, you know. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't like paint at that time. So yeah. yeah, like figuring out when it is that you're on and then framing your life around that. Yeah. If that's what's important for you. So what do you think when you when you look at the trajectory of your career and it's obviously very hard to kind of plan ahead and see <laughs> see how things are going to go what do you think it's going to take you to kind of continually look at that pie of your work and your energy and you know continue to kind of ratchet up the creative and art side like what are the barriers that you feel like you need to you need to continue kind of like overcoming the next the next um, I think that, I think for me, I'm in a place where I'm lucky enough to work in a job that I like. Like I love the people who I work for. I love um, my coworkers and I'm doing something that I enjoy alongside something that I love. So I think that for me, it's acknowledging, like I just recently was able to switch around my schedule so that I was working, I was working four days a week. I was working a couple of daytime shifts and that was really messing up my like energy level. I wasn't getting as many things done. I was having a really hard time meeting deadlines. And like a month ago, I just had like a real conversation with a couple of my coworkers about like what I needed and they just changed it for me. And now I work three days a week, two of which are nights, one of which is a day shift. And that is, has like changed my whole world. Like, and I know it seems super simple, but just being like, for me, I think just allowing myself the space to ask for what I need when I'm in this situation where I need to be working multiple jobs is just like, I'm the type of person that if you need help, I'll help you. And um, if you need something for me, I'll do it and I'll do it like the best that I possibly can, which is great. But sometimes I set aside my own needs in order to meet yours. And so I just am trying to acknowledge what I need more. And this year I'm... Um, 
saying no to gallery shows for the most part, unless something like really cool comes along that I can't pass up in order to kind of like hone in on more illustration work and like work for clients and do work that I'm really excited about and makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and also hopefully pays the bills a little bit better. (laughs) Um, but yeah, uh, I think that like just, I'm trying to allow myself to move slowly, but more intentionally in the direction that I want to go in. Yeah. And I think that, um, I'm, I used to want to like maybe even three years ago or two years ago, I wanted to just be a full-time illustrator now. And like, I think I'm realizing that like actually moving slower and more intentionally towards that is better because I'm able to make decisions that I'm excited about and that like feel like exactly what I want to be doing uh, when I want to be doing them. And it gives me the space to like really like feel that out and think that through and like make the right choices for myself. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining the show and for being so open and sharing so much of your story. It's been really great talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Okay, that was my conversation with Lindsay Stripling. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining the show. I personally learned a ton and just really enjoyed meeting you. And I hope for listeners out there, you all learned something as well that you can apply to whatever creative project you're working on, whether it's your business, whether it's your livelihood, or whether it's something that you just want to really accomplish on the nights and weekends. You guys should definitely check out Lindsay's work. Go to lindsaystripling.com or follow her on Instagram at lindsayvictorialee. And you're going to see her beautiful work there. And you're going to learn a little bit more about her process as well. Be sure to check out her Instagram stories. And be sure to sign up for the Making Ways newsletter. It's really easy to do. Just go to makingways.co, our website, where we have the illustrations that I do of each guest and our episodes. And you can learn more about the people that I have on the show. But go to the website, sign up for the newsletter. It's a really great way to stay in touch and stay connected to the live events we have going on to fund merchandise we'll have available for you guys soon and so much more and if you haven't yet please leave a review on itunes for apple podcasts it's a really important way for people to learn about the show and we so appreciate it making ways is engineered by jim heffernan at tto productions our intro music is by the sandworms and we've got some intro music by jim heffernan in the mix too Thank you so much for listening. I love meeting you all at live events. I love hearing from you on social media and getting emails. And it's just a really wonderful community that's growing around the show. And I'm encouraged by all the amazing stories from people I hear about who are listening, who are changing what they're doing or improving their creative practice. And it means a lot for me to hear about it. So keep reaching out, keep asking questions. And thank you all so much for listening. I'll see you next week.